Hello, it's 24th of February 2019, and this is episode 93 of Scavengers Horde, a Stars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Stars news, analysis, and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. How has your week in Star Wars been, Rachel? Well, I feel, Kirsty, that that's actually a better question for you this week, because you've (laughs) certainly had a more exciting week in Star Wars than I have. So would you like to talk about what you've been doing? And then I'll talk about my relatively insignificant week in Star Wars once you're done. (laughs) Yeah, I went to Disneyland. Yeah, we decided kind of last minute to go. Um, So we went to LA and then did Monday and Tuesday at Disney. And I got to see Courtney of Who Talks First, Knights of Rant. Oh, amazing. She goes by many names. Um, she met us at the park because she has one of those annual passes, which lets you get in any time. I'm very jealous of her. Oh, that's so fantastic. And, oh yeah. God. We kind of hung around Tomorrowland together for a while. Um, went to look at what we could see of Galaxy's Edge, which is admittedly not much, but still exciting. Yes. Um, and met Darth Vader. Did you feel at all scared in front of him? Or Not scared, but like got giggly because he's okay. like pointing at you and like, you know, calling you a traitor and <laughs> dirty rebel and all that. That's so cool. Um, Do you get the impression it's all pre-recorded dialogue instead of... Like, oh, it is. Yeah. Right, it's yeah. like, it's like motion sensors. So when he does a certain gesture, it says the thing that goes with it. Right. Okay. <laughs> but it's still, really cool. fe- it's done really well. So it feels interactive. Nice. I met Chewie the next day, so oh, got a big amazing. hug from him. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole point of meeting Chewie, surely to get a big hug. He- oh yeah, it was great. You know, you can't make much sense of him otherwise. So yeah, like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to be able to have an intelligent conversation, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then later in the week, we were staying like in the Santa Monica, Venice Beach areas, and um, met up with Erin from Meta Machina for some dinner. Lovely, it was really lovely to see her again. She moved to LA last year and is doing really well. Likes it there a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just a, a lovely week. Awesome. And you also saw the tent for the Independent Spirit Awards. Right? <laughs> I did, yeah. I was at Santa Monica Pier and they'd set that up. So oh, nice. That was happening a few days later. It was last night, wasn't it? So. Yeah. So close to Adam Driver, yet so far from Adam Driver. Yeah, so far. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta wait for Burn This. Yeah, exactly. There's no escaping. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be awesome um yeah and my week in star wars mostly revolved around much more humble things because i did not go to disneyland (laughs) um sat tragically um all my excitement for this year has basically been saved up for celebration um although i did listen to the amazing nerdist parody song kylo which takes the star is born song shallow and makes it all about star wars and Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo's redemption arc, which we know is going to happen, so it's all okay. And it's actually a really cool song. <laughs> it's so well done. They gave it way more effort than they ever possibly needed to. And I just have like hardcore respect for them because it was clearly a labor of love. So yeah, mad props. The production value on that video is insane. Yeah, it's really, really good. <laughs> I think it might be more impressive than the actual video for A Star Is Born. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, like, However you I'm feel biased. about the movie. Okay, I'm biased. Um, I, and I did like that movie, but I think I just mean like the music video is a low effort and that is literally just clips from A Star Is Born. 
I don't think I've seen the actual music video because yeah. I've just watched the movie, so I figured that was all I needed. Yeah, it is all um, you need. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah. However you feel about the movie, I know there's been kind of like mixed reactions to it, and obviously there's some very triggering, heavy material in there. But that this song is just done so well, and I think Nerdist have done quite a few of these parody videos at this point. Although this is the only one I've watched, but I think I'm going to check the other ones out anyway. I don't even know what they are, but this is just so good. This the lyrics fit so well. Yeah. Um, and I saw that Ryan Johnson had watched it, and he seemed to enjoy it, especially the nose boop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like it was really impressive how they matched up the lighting and stuff so well. Like in the moments in the music video that are meant to be analogous to the like hut scene stuff the lighting is literally spot on so Mm -hmm. i was like yeah you did your homework i'm very proud of you (laughs) yeah that's very cool um yeah and besides that for the spoiler fiends among you i put together like the most nerdy of nerdy things is quite ridiculous and embarrassing but it's basically a spreadsheet tracking all of the like credible rumors and leaks regarding Star Wars Episode Nine so far, and it's a public Google spreadsheet, and it's now pinned to the top of the Star Wars leaks subreddit. So if you're interested in spoilers at all, then you can head over there and take a look at that because it just brings everything together into one place and hopefully makes it easier to find out who's saying what and where a particular piece of information comes from. So yeah people seem to have liked it and i'm glad the effort was worth it because yeah like several hours of my life went into that you're <laughs> doing the lord's work <laughs> yeah exactly it's like well no one else is going to do this so i better <laughs> well yeah because it seems like something that is really useful once someone actually takes the time to do it but it is time consuming yeah um but it makes it a lot easier to track because we're getting to the point now where it's kind of hard to remember stuff that came out quite a while ago. Yeah, no, exactly. So we've got leaks going back to like August last year. And yeah, who remembers anything from August last year? <laughs> it's like a complete blur. So yeah, it's good to have it all in one place. Yeah, mm-hmm. Not to like congratulate myself too much though. That's <laughs> becomes embarrassing. Yeah, so to move on, um, we will go straight into the news section. And the first thing that we want to talk about is that J.J. Abrams has given his first interview about episode nine since the film wrapped. And yeah, would you like to talk us through this, Kirsty? Sure. So this was an interview by Ash Crozen from Entertainment Tonight. Um, and Slimo has helpfully transcribed it because I haven't actually had a chance to watch the video yet. Um, so in typical JJ fashion, he's not giving much away, but since this is his first interview after nine is wrapped, it's still pretty exciting. Um, So Ash says, JJ, I've got to ask you, you just wrapped episode nine. That photo made me emotional just looking at it. Can you talk about that moment on set wrapping that film? It was actually a pretty emotional thing, but the cast and crew just did an unbelievable job and I just cannot wait for you to see what we've got going for you. Did the way that you approached episode nine, was that affected by the way that people reacted to The Last Jedi at all? No. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you play such an exclamation point on that. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, I think that every movie is its own movie. And obviously this is a trilogy. We brought to that movie all the passion and hard work that we would have no matter what. So I think the story speaks for itself. I really, truly can't wait for you to see it. Can I just ask you about directing Billy Dee Williams as Lando and what that was like for you? Because I know you're a big fan, but we get to see him as Lando again. 
I met him once before and he was such a sweet guy, but I gotta tell you, I have such an unbelievable respect for him. We had a great time and he was wonderful. He just had this aura around him. He's really an incredible man and incredible actor. Um, can you give me a word or something we're going to feel going out of this movie? Because we've seen two other Star Wars trilogies come to a close. How does this stack up compared to Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi? You'll have to determine that yourself, but I really can't wait for you to see it. <laughs> and there are a lot of words that we all hope that you feel, and obviously the biggest and most important one is satisfied. And then at the end she like sneakily asks, can't you give us any kind of hint on when we're going to get the title? <laughs> he says no, but it's really fun talking to you. <laughs> He's obviously not going to slip that out. Yeah. But no, he was really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was a cute little interview. Obviously, he's given nothing away whatsoever. I guess perhaps the most interesting thing is his response to the question about his approach to episode nine and whether it was changed at all. So he's been asked mm-hmm. that question before and basically said no then. And the answer hasn't changed, basically, which is what Which is want. just nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I like the point about every movie is his own movie. And obviously, this is a trilogy. Because he's acknowledging that each movie is its unique thing under its own director. But we are ultimately talking about a single story across three films. And that, yeah, they are kind of going to like feed into each other, guys. So <laughs> you've got to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's being very polite about it. But basically saying, no, we're not going to be swayed by a vocal minority online. Yeah. So Because, to be honest, the overwhelming critical reaction and obviously at the box office was very positive yes so that's probably what disney are choosing to focus on yeah no exactly whenever it's brought up like like in the infamous earnings call that both you and i spent an hour of our lives listening to (laughs) um like they were only full of praise for the last jedi basically and kept on repeating what a resounding success it had been so that's clearly Mm. how it's viewed within like the walls of disney which yeah is as it should be mm-hmm. so still waiting on that title <laughs> yeah like i've literally i've literally just given up hope now oh like not in the sense of like ever but basically i'm like i'm gonna have no expectations at all like for now my realistic thought is okay nothing till celebration it's all just gonna be a celebration and then if we get anything in advance of Celebration, then it's a pleasant surprise. I will be very impressed if they can keep a lid on it until Celebration because yeah. they're going to want to sell merch with the title on it at that event. Yes. So, you know, if they manage to get stuff there without it leaking, that would be very impressive. Yeah. It'd be J.J. Abrams applying all of his mystery box skills. <laughs> oh, that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Frosty silence. It's not a mystery box. That's not what it means. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I for, kind of forgot that would be sliding it back into the era of people writing that it's his mystery box in every article. And it's like, that's not what it means. It's an in-story device. Yeah. <sighs> and I'm not even sure how much JJ is even interested in that device anymore, to be honest. Well, it makes sense for the first part of the trilogy. Yeah. You know, setting things up is, in, involves a mystery box, sure. Yeah. But that would be true for anyone, to be honest. Yeah, you need to set up momentum for the story going forward. <laughs> it's kind of like, duh. Like, I expect he's going to have very different priorities now that it's the closing chapter of a trilogy. 
and mm-hmm. I can see him getting quite exasperated if everyone keeps on assuming that he's going to use the old mystery box approach. But yeah, it just doesn't make any sense for a resolution. Yeah, exactly. So I'm very curious to see how he's going to be when he can actually give slightly more detailed answers about the film and about his approach to it because, yeah, I really want to dig into his mind a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still pretty secretive in the promo, but in terms of the actual way the story is laid out, I, you know, obviously we can't expect the answer to every single little thing in The Force Awakens. Yes. But I I believe him when he says he thinks it's going to be satisfying. So. Yeah. No, agreed. So yeah, I'm very excited to see what you've done, JJ. So yeah, let's wait and see. Hmm. Right. Okay, then the next story that we want to talk about is that Star Wars Newsnet have a report indicating that what was the Obi-Wan movie is now becoming the Obi-Wan limited series. So, yeah, Kirsty, would you mind reading this? Perhaps the most talked about and rumour-fueled wishlist item among Star Wars fans and media has been an Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone project. Well, it sounds like that wish may have finally come true, but not how we envisioned it. We were told that an Obi-Wan Kenobi limited TV series is happening. It's the next top priority for the Disney Plus streaming service, and that it could be as many as six episodes. The Kenobi project was initially supposed to be a film, as had been reported several times over the last few years, but everything changed after the disappointing box office performance of Solo, A Star Wars Story. We were told that the Kenobi film was actually supposed to start production shortly after Solo premiered, and then everything changed. This certainly puts much more clarity on that famous Bob Iger rethinking our approach statement from last year. Hmm. We've heard so much about Obi-Wan, haven't we, Kirsty? It It's at the point where I struggle to be excited about it, even though I think Ewan McGregor would do an amazing job if he returned. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I've heard about this a million times now. It's my fault for even reading the rumours in the first place. So yeah. this is not me blaming Lucasfilm, it's me blaming myself. Yeah. Well, I think it will all change if it is actually officially confirmed because I think the worst thing is the wishy-washiness of everything right now because it's sort of like the boy who cried wolf. You know, we've heard again and again and again, it's in development, it's in development, it's in development, but nothing has actually come to fruition. So I think if they actually confirmed it as a panel, as Star Wars Celebration, and they brought Hugh McGregor out and they brought out the director and talent and that sort of thing then it would become more interesting. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, right now, just this, I just can't let myself get attached or get too optimistic or hopeful because it's like, sure, it could work. And it makes a lot of sense because it's the sort of thing that would definitely drive people to subscribe to this service, which would obviously be the whole point of putting the show into production in the first place. And we know that Hugh McGregor is interested in doing TV because he did Fargo. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, But yeah, it's just lots of ifs and maybes and perhapses. And yeah, I just can't get too close to any of it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much wait and see. Um, My guess is that this would be the kind of thing that they'd announce at Celebration. So yeah, it'd definitely be fan pleasing. (laughs) You'd know the crowd would go wild. So yeah, I think at this point it's mostly like relief. Like finally... It would just be like a crowd of people like all sobbing and like collapsing into each other's arms. At last, at last, it's happening. <laughs> I think what's interesting is we're getting all these TV series being pushed out before the first one has even aired. 
Mm. Yeah. I guess you know? they're maybe taking the Netflix approach of content, content, content. And they're aware mm. that it's such a time sensitive game that you can't afford to like drag your feet and like wait and see how one particular thing does. You need to try and do a few different things and then throw it all out there and see what works. Yeah, I guess that's just what concerns me a little bit. Yeah. Because we are in the age of like quantity over quality. Yeah, like that's the fear, isn't it? Like, so you don't want any of it to be rushed. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Like, I've, I do feel like under Disney, Lucasfilm hasn't made a bad product yet. There's obviously Star Wars projects that I prefer to other Star Wars projects under Disney, but I feel everything has at least been solid. So as long as it's at least solid, then I could accept it. And yeah, like I trust them not to let standards slip. So we all see. Mm-hmm. Although one thing, do you think they would get Joel Edgerton back as Uncle Owen? Uh, maybe. I don't know if he'd be interested in doing it. Yeah, that's true. Like he's gone far, far beyond playing a bit part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, if they brought him back for the series, he'd probably be a bigger part because the relationship between between Obi Wan and Owen, yeah, is quite interesting, intense. It's probably something they'd want to explore. But it's it's hard to know whether he would be interested because his career has evolved so much since then. Yeah, and he's quite a good director now as well. So yeah, lots of possibilities. Um, right, and then just springing off from this, I'll just discuss it briefly and I won't read out the whole report. But basically, fan for tracks have heard that a third Star Wars TV project, so a mystery Star Wars project... That is not the Mandalorian or the Cassian Andor TV series, both of which have already been announced, has like been registered as starting production soon in the UK. So that's quite intriguing. Like it does perhaps make one wonder if it might be the Obi Wan thing, like which would tie into the previous rumor. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit of context here that I'll read out. Tonight we can reveal that the third, as yet unannounced, Star Wars TV series will be shot in the UK under the production name of Series Free Productions UK Limited, which was registered on the public UK company's register on the 12th of October 2018. We anticipate that the focal point of the series will be revealed at Star Wars Celebration in April. Registered on the exact same day was E&E Industries UK Limited which we understand will be the first film from the planned Ryan Johnson trilogy. It should be noted that for convenience, Disney registers businesses and blocks, and the creation of these businesses does not mean they started production at those dates, merely that they intend to enter production soon. This can, of course, mean very early design development, and does not necessarily mean they will see final production, as seen recently with PLT Productions, the Kenobi movie. So, yeah, I thought to read that out so it's some interesting background and it's helpful reality check, basically, because it's easy to see that, oh, it's registered on the 12th of October. That means they were filming something in October. So it's like, no, 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 no. That's quite probably not what it means. So mm. I'd imagine both of these projects, so the Ryan Johnson thing and the mystery TV show, they're in early development, but neither of them have actually entered production production. So... Yeah, it makes me wonder if that's going to be filming during the same time as the Cassian Andor series, because that hasn't started yet either, has it? Yes, that's right, yeah. and I, Timeline's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I wonder if perhaps if the Cassian series is being shot in the US, 
So they might be oh, filming concurrently, so. but just in different countries. Yeah, I would I would guess so if they're announcing this one specifically. Yeah. No, which would make a lot of sense. I guess they want to make sure that they can still put all the people they've had working on the Star Wars movies to use. Because I think for the last few years, it's been quite a predictable cycle for all those people and they've quite a good community built up. So I'd imagine that a lot of the people who worked on the films would just be transferring straight over to work on whatever this new project is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's more stars coming, guys. <laughs> Endless. <laughs> the, the only thing with the Ryan Johnson thing is that does make me wonder, perhaps, if we might be getting the Ryan Johnson film that coming before the Benioff and Weiss. Um, because I haven't heard anything about a company being registered for the Benioff and Weiss trilogy yet. So if they're in a position to register the Ryan Johnson thing, that suggests they may be further along with it. How do they know that this is the Ryan Johnson one? Yeah, that they don't make it clear. I presume they have their reasons because they state it quite confidently. And Fan for Tracks do have a very, very good track record for these company names. So they've broken them for every single film since The Force Awakens. And they've always been correct. So I trust them, but it's a bit tricky. She don't know what they're basing their report on. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, without knowing anything about them, really, I am more excited about the Ryan Johnson one than the many of them wise, so that works out for me. Yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. Okay, right. And then the next thing we're going to talk about is something that shouldn't be taken too seriously, basically. And the main reason I wanted to talk about it is because there's so many random ideas being chucked around here that I was thinking like let's just chuck these names out there and then discuss which ones we'd be most interested in seeing um right so basically a series of dubious reports essentially which is to say I don't really trust any of them but there's been a number of them so they're popping up everywhere and I thought we can at least discuss it quickly they've come up suggesting that there's a list of tv shows that are being considered for development at Lucasfilm basically so that doesn't mean that all these shows are actually going to happen but more like they're just being contemplated and discussed and bandied about as possibilities which I think seems much more realistic so there's no way in hell they're going to make all these tv shows um <laughs> But to discuss them, that's a different kettle of fish entirely because it doesn't cost anything to discuss something. So yeah, the shows they're talking about perhaps having are one one for Kira, one for Lando, one for Finn, one for Poe. And then in a separate report that I can't even find the origin of right now, there was also the suggestion of a Rose spin-off. So yeah, lots and lots of different avenues. Would you be down for spin-offs about those characters, Kirsty? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know I sound like a Debbie Downer, but I'm just like the you know, saying that something is in development could be like literally someone throwing out a pitch and being like, Does this sound like a good idea? Yeah. Like that counts. Yeah. So there will be hundreds of these. Yeah, yeah. So it's really like anyone could write one of these articles and be like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a young Ben Solo series. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a Snoke series. There's going to be a Luke series set after Return of the Jedi. There's going to be a there probably is. series. Because, yeah, there, there probably will be. Yeah. There are probably hundreds of by now discarded projects. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, obviously they can't be all greenlit, but they're going to put these ideas forward because some of them will end up being made. Yes. Um, and 
it totally makes sense to be like, oh yeah, well, you know, we have these amazing actors who were Kira and Lando. While we might not make another solo movie, we could repackage that somehow. Yes. Um, But just naming the characters isn't really enough for me. Yeah, yeah. It's like, sure, that might be good. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, though. Yeah. Like, of all of these, I see the most potential in a Kira show for obvious reasons, because her, that character is left on such a cliffhanger at the end of Solo. And I really, really want to see where she goes next. And I think there is, like, clear narrative potential in that. But I, I think it's very hard to say, like, oh, yeah, a Finn spinoff, because... So that will so much depend on where that character ends up in episode nine for example this this working under the assumption that you'd be having a show that was about finn after the sequel trilogy because i don't know i don't see much like potential in a series about finn as a stormtrooper i guess you could but i feel like that's the sort of thing where it's more like comic territory or book territory you know i don't think you could get a show out of that so yeah it's very difficult to take seriously basically yeah, and it, it depends what the opportunities that these actors are, are going to get. Yeah. Like, besides from Star Wars after episode nine is over. But I find it hard to believe that John Boyega would struggle to get interesting projects come his way. Yeah. So it's up for debate whether he would want to do a Finn TV show, you know? Yeah. Shouldn't just assume. Exactly. He already has, like, big movies planned, like that cool sounding one with Letitia Wright. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would definitely be prioritising that over a Disney Plus show, I think. Um, right. Then the next news is that Billy D. Williams and more actors have been announced for Star Celebration. So I won't read out all the, like, waffle that um, stars.com adds to these reports. I'll just say who's coming. So yeah, it's going to be Billy D, Alan Tudyk, who was K2SO in Rogue One. And then we'll be getting Freddie Prince Jr. and Taylor Gray, who were Kanan and Ezra in Star Wars Rebels. And then the others who are coming along are Anthony Forrest, who donned a Stormtrooper bucket on Tatooine and was Jedi mind-tricked by Obi-Wan Kenobi. John Morton, best known as Dak, the other half of Luke Skywalker's Snowspeeder team in the Battle of Hoth, and two of the Empire's finest officers, Julian Glover, who played General Veers, and Michael Culver, who was the ill-fated Captain Nida. Um, and I just need to say at this point that I love these actors, like this Anthony Forrest chap, who was like the one who's mind-tricked. These dudes were basically extras. Yet it seems like at this point they're basically like making their pension off appearing at conventions and like autographs. Yeah, signs. good for them. Yeah, no, I'm happy for them. I bet it's like a really like joyous revelation. So I really doubt they had any concept of this when they went into it. Oh, even the main actors didn't. Yeah. No, exactly. No. (laughs) They didn't think it was going to be a hit. Yeah. It must have been. So the extras certainly wouldn't have. Yeah. No, like, I went to um, a back-to-back screening of the original trilogy at the BFI a few years ago. And they had a Q&A. And one of the people at the Q&A was a guy who'd worked on Jabba the Hutt, puppeteering him. And he had puppeteered Jabba the Hutt's right hand. And this dude, he's absolutely lovely. He was a doll. Um, he had business cards that had a picture of Jabba the Hutt on them, and the slogan underneath the picture of Jabba saying "Jabba's right hand man." <laughs> awesome! It was amazing. He's a legend. He also worked on Labyrinth, so I got his autograph for that. 
um <laughs> and yeah i was like god man i love you like you go for it you like milk it for all it's worth <laughs> yeah it's quite adorable i'm impressed that veers and nida are going to be there that's quite exciting yeah no that is especially for me julian glover because i know julian glover from his non-star wars stuff as well like have you seen any classic doctor who Kirsty? a little but i don't follow it as much as i you know i'm invested in the newer stuff yeah sure like there's a famous episode with tom baker as the doctor called the city of death where the doctor visits paris and there's this like evil art dealer and that evil art dealer is played by julian glover and he's fabulous in that episode of doctor who and yeah if i met him i'd be taking a picture of his doctor who character because he's just a legend <laughs> um but yeah it's awesome that um billy d will be there i expect he'll get a panel right i hope so I- i'd like to meet him yeah he sounds cool yeah definitely like and he seems to really love the interaction with the fans and that sort of environment as well which is great mm-hmm. right would you like to talk about the next story Kirsty? yeah i'm quite upset about this oh just personally oh. um it's that the phantom menace's 20th anniversary panel has been announced for celebration it's been announced for the monday um which i don't think many people were expecting mm. um people are theorizing that it's because they haven't sold out of the monday tickets yet so that maybe this is a way to do that um but because last time the last day of celebration was like just a quiet day where there weren't any big panels and people were mostly just focused on like hanging out on the floor and like saying goodbye to their friends yeah um and because i can't miss too much work i'm gonna fly out halfway through that day oh so chances are i won't be able to be there which kind of sucks because this is one of the panels that i was actually excited about oh no that's such a shame <laughs> like hopefully mm. they'll have it in the morning like it's like maybe if they had it at like 10 30 or something then that would be okay so mm. yeah fingers crossed but yeah we'll see yeah because they'll they'll have something amazing planned for that yeah no exactly well if you can't be there, I'll try to go and then <laughs> you can be there in spirit, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. And obviously everything's live streamed so I can watch it regardless. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah. Wait. I'm just making it about me. So. <laughs> well, it's quite natural when it's something you're looking forward to. So, yeah. But I, for me, though, this does communicate that there's got to be really huge panels on the previous days. Because I was thinking that this would be one of like the main panels of the entire com. But if this is something they're literally tagging on to the final day, then that says to me there's going to have to be really epic panels on the previous days. Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot to get through because obviously there's episode nine. Then there's all whatever new movies they decide to announce after that. Like if there's more information about Ryan's or Benioff and Weiss, then there's all those TV shows. Then they've got animation. Yeah. Because they're going to have the Clone Wars, Resistance. Like there's a lot. Yeah. No, there's going to be so way more much. than there was last time. So yeah, no, I really want to go to the resistance panel. Actually, me too. Yeah, because I That'd bet be what they do is I think they might show us like the first episode of season two, or something like that. Because they've done that historically with like rebels panels, for example. Mm-hmm. They've shown people yep. episodes way way in advance. So I would be so hyped if we got to see it really early. Like, oh my god. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would do that. Yeah, so that'd be awesome. Okay, and then the final item of news that we want to talk about is that Alan Horn, 
who I believe is like head of movies at Disney. He he's important basically. Um, he gave an interview to the Hollywood Reporter and he talked about Stars in several of his answers. So I just thought we'd briefly discuss what he had to say. So Hollywood Reporter, Disney has a formidable 2019 slate with Avengers, Lion King, Frozen 2 and Episode 9. How do you manage expectations? It's always a challenge because, and I say this with love and respect for the media, the thing about these big movies is they get a lot of attention, whether positive or negative. So when they don't work, like Solo, the media says it's a failure. I think it was a pretty good movie. It didn't resonate as much as we'd hoped it would, but the press writes it up in a more negative way than I would. These are very high-profile movies. If Aladdin, which I happen to think is a terrific film, doesn't work somehow, that's big news, and much bigger news than if a movie somewhere else, like The Kid Who Would Be King at Fox, doesn't work. Will episode 9 get Star Wars back on track? Oh, come on. <laughs> I just got back from the United Kingdom, which is not so united. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Oh, screw you. <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> screw Brexit. Um, I went to the set and was with J.J. Abrams, Kathy and the cast. I watched a couple of scenes being shot and then we all had dinner. I have not seen a cut of it yet, but I watch dailies every weekend and send J.J. and Kathy a note every weekend. It's a big deal and it's going to be terrific. What will be the next Star Wars movie after episode 9? It's all in discussion. I'm not going to just casually tell you right now. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's quite adorable. Like, these are such, like, old man answers in so many ways. Like, the way he's, like, confused about the media paying so much attention to Disney. is like... I don't know if he's confused about it. It seems very passive-aggressive. <laughs> yes. I, I think I was thinking confused because I find that possibility more funny. <laughs> But yeah, I think you're probably right. You don't get into a position like that by being confused and doddery. He knows what's going on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I really don't like how the Hollywood Reporter phrased some of these questions. Like, we'll start get will episode nine get stars back on track? It's like, oh come on. Yeah, it feeds into that narrative that it's in trouble somehow, which is just not the case. I mean, a big reason why Solo didn't do fantastically was because they essentially made it twice. Yeah, exactly. So of course they weren't going to make as much money. Yeah. If it costs a shit ton, then it's going to be pretty hard to recoup your investment. Mm hmm Um. Yeah. So he sounds pretty confident. Yep. No, he does. He's um, sending his little notes. Yeah, I saw some people say that was a bit concerning to them, but I'm sure... He's not, like, getting into the weeds of, like, critiquing the acting or... He's probably just like, yeah, looks great. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I think people lose sight of the fact that this has got to be, like, the absolute normal process for all of these huge movies. Yeah, because they've got to have oversight. Yeah. You know? Like, they won't necessarily be, as I said, like, giving explicit critique and like feedback on very specific moments in the scenes that they're watching but they still want to know that things are running smoothly yeah it's like i work for a company and like sure my manager won't be there like hovering over my desk every day like to check out what i'm doing but they will check in occasionally because they want to know that the jobs are being done and that things are actually being produced 
as they're meant to be being produced so yeah it's like yeah that's kind of how businesses work (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't mean to sound mean to people but it's just like come on yeah it's yeah sounds par for the course yeah um toe in the line okay cool with the news out of the way Let's move on to talk about the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance. Would you care to read out the plot summary of the core problem, Kirsty? Uh, sure. It's quite a long one. Um, Kaz accompanies Poe on a mission to investigate First Order activity in the Dassel system within the Unknown Regions. Travelling there, they discover that the system's sun has vanished, several red planetoids, and that the planet Nadravar has been drilled through. Kaz and Poe encounter a First Order probe droid on an abandoned moon whose population has been wiped out by the First Order. After escaping TIE fighters, Kaz and Poe part company with BB-8 accompanying Poe on a mission to Jakku. Returning with the astromech droid CB-23, Kaz's frequent trips off-world start to draw Tam's suspicion. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens with Tam there, because she did not seem very happy. Yeah. And, like, I really want that to come to a head because I do love Tam, but I feel like throughout the whole season, there has been so much of, like, exasperated Tam, just, like, grunting and, like, complaining and, like, getting all, like, moody about things. And it's like, I want there to be some sort of payoff for this. Well, I felt, like, especially combined with how Yiga tried to brush her off and, like, you wouldn't understand and she did not like that at all. Yeah. It's like, is she going to betray Kaz somehow? Mm. I do oh, kind of no. feel like they're sowing the seeds for that, which... Oh, no. Yeah. Tam. <laughs> I think the next Careful. episode is going to be very interesting. Let's put it that way. And, yeah, I hope Tam becomes a big focus because she has got a bit of the short shrift sometimes. So, yeah, I'd like to see more Tam. Um, but, yeah, there's so much big stuff going on in this episode. Oh, my God. I feel like I should have watched it twice, to be honest, to fully absorb everything that was going on. Hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like the main thing and the most obvious thing is obviously that we said goodbye to BB-8. BB-8 is now off with Poe and there's something really like, like it really gets me thinking that, God, like in another corner of the galaxy, like Rey is spending like her last normal day of life on Jakku, like Mm -hmm. just being like a regular person, like undisturbed by all this like enormous like galaxy changing like stuff that's going on. And she's just about to be caught up in it all after Poe arrives. And, yeah. Finn's about to defect. <laughs> Kylo's about to kill Los Santeca. <laughs> Kylo's about to feel things. <laughs> it's all going to kick off. Yeah. Oh, my God. Snoke's about to be pissed. Oh, my God. It's so exciting. Um, yeah. So it's all really coming to a head, basically. And, yeah, I do wonder when we're going to see BB-8 in this show again. Like, I like CB23, but it's like, I miss the little guy already. <laughs> yeah, I think Kaz was a bit heartbroken. Yeah, I feel like BB-8 is going to be gone for a while. I think it might be like BB-8 becomes a bit like Poe now, pops up as an occasional guest star, but is not there, like, in a long-term capacity. Well, yeah, I don't even know how that's going to work from now on, because at this point, the next time Poe would see him would be in a post-The Last Jedi landscape. Yeah, that's true. It's like when they say, I'll see you soon. It's like, well, will you? <laughs> Is Kaz going to be around during episode eight to nine hiatus? Yeah. God, I'd love that. Like, so I imagine season two 
is going to be set during that period between eight and nine which is going to make it so fascinating to watch so yeah so many intriguing possibilities and yeah that abandoned planet that they find that's clearly been like decimated by the first order i really think that's um taha like that moon sorry i think that moon must be taha oh really yeah i think so like because we know that those children came from a planet that had been wiped out by the first order and that they'd barely escaped and i think it's very significant that they pick up an abandoned child's toy so i think that kaz is gonna end up showing that to the kids and then one of them's gonna be like that's my toy and i know that would be a huge coincidence but it's like it's an animated show oh okay I got quite a different impression. Okay. What was your reason? Like, that hadn't occurred to me. I just thought it was that they were showing how routine this is for the First Order now. Mm. That they have destroyed so many civilizations. I think that's a very legitimate read as well. I think I just found it very pointed that we see Kaz taking that toy back with him to the Colossus. Because I don't think they would have made him do that if there weren't going to be some sort of further ramifications from him having that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm sure if there are going to be ramifications, they'll be revealed in the next few episodes. So, yeah, it will all come out in the wash. Yeah, but did you enjoy this episode overall, Kirsty? Yeah, I didn't think there were any hugely surprising revelations because it was kind of like what we knew the First Order was going to be doing anyway. Yes. It's kind of funny watching Kaz and Poe walk around on a planet where there's no sun. (laughs) Oh, it's a bit chilly. It's like... (laughs) uh it'd be more than that (laughs) (laughs) i think you'd both basically be human popsicles at this point yeah (laughs) yeah you know it's star wars so you just gotta let it go it's just it's funny because i think of like those people who try and take like the gravity issues in the last jedi seriously (laughs) and it's like come on it's obviously not a factor in star wars it's like it's all dumb it's like just accept (laughs) it and you'll be so much happier i promise yeah and i always enjoy seeing a chuka doll so they're very cute. Yeah. Oh, is that the doll that Kaz picked up? Yeah. Oh my god. Like, where else have we seen them before? It did look vaguely familiar. Uh, well, obviously we get Tukas in the other animated shows, but like, um, Ben Solo had one when he was a baby. Um, the girl that's in Jinna, so it's Forces of Destiny episode. That's what the stormtroopers like take from her, and she has to get back. Oh god, you're so right. How did I forget? Oh my god. So it's a pretty common doll. childhood toy. I think there's one in the visual dictionary for something that Jin had when she was a kid. Right. So. I guess it's like a teddy bear, basically, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um. Yeah. So awesome. Right, I think that brings us to the end of all the non-spoilery stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, on that note, I think we're ready for the spoiler siren. I shouldn't. Do it. Okay, right. So there are quite a few leaks this time to discuss. Um... Yeah, so it's going to be a question of figuring out how best to navigate these. Because <laughs> there are some where we're going to skirt over them a little bit. Because some of them are just repeating points made in previous rumours and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I might have a go at reading. And we'll do it a bit like we did last time. Where we read out one bullet point And then we discuss it and then move on to the next thing. Because, yeah, otherwise it just gets too messy and complicated to talk about anything. Um 
Right, so the first leak that we have is from Reddit, and the reason to take it seriously is because it's from a moderator on that subreddit, who is Jedi Paxis, and they essentially posted the leaked photos showing the characters in their costumes for episode 9, and they have come back saying a trusted source has given them a range of other information that they have then helpfully summarised in a post. Okay, so... Would you like to read out the first bullet point, Kirsty? Sure. Luke and Leia appear in multiple flashbacks, including at least one scene where Leia is being trained or is discussing Jedi training with Luke. The outcome of the training is uncertain. It is also unclear if Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill filmed these scenes and will be de-aged, or if they're portrayed by younger actors and CG'd like Leia and Tarkin in Rogue One. My source has heard nothing about Han appearing in any flashbacks. Hmm. So, this is interesting to me, but I have no idea how it would fit into anything. Yeah, I'm super sceptical of this stuff. Is in, like, sceptical of it being real? Yeah. Because mm. we've heard from other leaks, like, and again, I don't even know how trustworthy they were, but like, yeah, sure, there'll be flashbacks, but it's like, Leia in hand dropping Ben off at Jedi School with Luke. Yeah. And... So it's like, yeah, I can understand why people would think there'll be a flashback of some kind, because obviously we got those in The Last Jedi too. Yes. But, I don't know. I very much believe it when I see it with this stuff. Yeah, no, it's hard to take this too seriously. Um, like, and again, it's hard. It's like, it's the sort of thing where these kinds of flashbacks might make complete sense and be feel really natural and earned and justified in the context of the film itself. Yeah, this tells us nothing about the meaning of why that would be in there. Yeah, exactly. Right now it feels very disconnected. So yeah, I'll be intrigued to see how it pans out. And in a way, I could understand them doing something like this as a way of making Leia more present in the film, despite the absence of Carrie Fisher. But yeah, again, it raises tricky questions about, well, how are you going to execute that? Because yeah, I guess maybe they'd get around it by recasting a younger actress. Um, But then like I don't know if it'd be too uncanny to use the CGI to make her look like Carrie so yeah we'll have to wait and see mm-hmm. yeah then the next bullet point Kirsty. Leia's role as resistance leader is being said to be of a similar in size to her TFA role perhaps even smaller though her flashback scenes make her seem more present in the film no confirmation on whether Leia lives or dies yeah that's all pretty standard and what I'd expect, to be honest. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's a shame. They're, they are very much going to be limited by what's available to them. So, yeah, like I'm so fascinated to see how it's executed and how it turns out. Because, yeah, I'm sure they're all doing lots of work to try and make it seem as natural and seamless as possible. But I am worried that for people like you and me who are aware of like the deleted scenes and like stuff in the novelization that it might feel a little bit too out of place you know in a new context but i i think they'll probably work wonders and i just need to stop being skeptical i think the reality is that most people in the audience won't have read the novelization they won't be aware of the fact that these deleted scenes were already filmed and everything yeah so we just have to remember we're not really who they're doing that for yeah absolutely um i'm just I know, it's just something I have to come to terms with. We don't have Carrie anymore. Yeah. It's really sad. Exactly. But her role in The Force Awakens was so much smaller already than what we got in The Last Jedi. 
and she was put into a coma for a large chunk of the last jedi so that's really saying something yeah exactly it's really unfortunate because obviously they knew that they weren't going to have carrie in episode nine everything would have been planned quite differently i'm sure but it is what it is and i think we can only trust the filmmakers to make the best of a shitty situation so in terms of like whether this adds trustworthiness to the leak it's like someone could have probably made a good stab at this being a, ga- a guess you know yeah yeah you, do, you wouldn't have to have inside information to write this out and make it seem legit yeah i'm placing stock in this leak because we know that the person who posted it is saying that they have very good reason to believe that this person is legitimate and that they have a track record of having previously provided information that was proven correct that's the mod who's saying that yes like so i try to be very careful in terms of what i include for us to discuss here so i don't want to include like whatever the latest random crap on 4chan is while some of so while some of it seems a bit doubtful and i am trying to be very cautious about how much of it i take it face value it 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 does deserve some trust i guess yeah but yeah, we will see. I guess it's it's also possible that some of this stuff might be right and some of it might not be. Yeah, so. no, exactly. So yeah, like you need to be have a healthy dose of skepticism of everything. Um, right, let's not talk about those points. <laughs> um, I don't think we need to talk about the Knights of Ren. Car- Kerry Russell, that's more interesting. Okay, cool. Could you talk about the point about Kerry Russell's character, Kirsty? Mm-hmm. Kerry Russell's character is a bounty hunter with an allegiance that is unclear to my source. Kerry's character wears a purple, nearly magenta jumpsuit with bron- bronze gold accessories, including an elongated helmet. Think about a fancier version of Zam Weasel, and my source says that will get you pretty close. So that's obviously the bounty hunter in Attack of the Clones. Mm. Yeah. I quite like this rumour. I was initially quite attached to the idea of Kerry as a Knight of Ren. So a part of me does miss that, <laughs> if that's not coming true. But this still sounds like it could be a really cool role. And yeah, I was telling you yesterday, Kirsty, that I finally watched the pilot of The Americans. And I was so, so impressed by Kerry in that show. She was absolutely amazing. And just the ability that she has to sell those action scenes is really incredible. Because she's like very slender and small in stature, but you absolutely buy her as this like ferocious badass who could kill you (laughs) and yeah i could absolutely see her in this sort of role yeah she's amazingly versatile because i mean in the americans her work with the action scenes and with the deep character stuff is really incredible um it's funny because the first like really really early rumors we got about rose tico was that she was a bounty hunter as well oh my god I forgot. I've forgotten those. <laughs> yeah, it's like the go-to for female characters. Yeah, but like you, um, for some reason, I got it. I think in my head of like the Knights of Ren as being pretty similar character-wise to what a bounty hunter would be like, anyway. So this isn't that far a leap for me. Yeah, no, like it's much better to me than if she'd been like, "Oh, Kerry Russell is playing a resistance officer," then I would have been disappointed. <laughs> Mm. like i know that sounds harsh but those sorts of characters they don't tend to be the most dynamic i guess whereas i think there's room for some interesting stuff to be going on with a character like this 
And just the whole concept of having a bounty hunter is interesting from the perspective of, okay, so first of all, who is hiring this person? And second, <laughs> and second of all, who is their target? Uh, Ray. Ooh, okay, interesting. So explain your theory, Kirsty. Well, obviously, Kylo has told Hux in The Last Jedi that Ray is responsible for killing Snoke. Mm-hmm. So I think Hux is not going to just let that go. Yes. And I think it would be really interesting. This is like my fanfic now. Yeah, that's fine. Um, go for it, indulge. <laughs> if Hux hired this bounty hunter to take out Ray without even informing Kylo. Mm, yeah. Extra juicy if it's as a result of him getting his hands somehow on that mysterious elevator footage Ooh. and kind of putting two and two together and figuring out that Kylo actually does care about the girl. Oh. And that's why he doesn't tell him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's all part of that plan. Yeah. You know? But maybe I'm giving Hux too much credit. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Hux could be doing it from like a really like nasty, sadistic point of view. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to give him the cruelest blow by killing the girl and showing her to him. <laughs> that'd be a really like messed up thing to do. So that'd be sort of like in Hux's wheelhouse. Whether he would have the resources to pull it off is a different story. But yeah, it would also mm-hmm. be cool to see Ray face off with like a female adversary. Like Yeah, someone besides Kylo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically anyone other than Kylo, please. <laughs> that would be very welcome. Um Yeah, no, so it's an interesting idea. And that outfit sounds really cool yeah i'm interested in how this elongated helmet would look because it sounds kind of goofy but i'm sure it's not yeah exactly and bronze gold accessories has the potential to be quite tacky but it also has the potential to be quite fabulous so yeah i'll give it the benefit of the doubt (laughs) okay right and then the next one naomi aki's character is supposedly finn's sister um, there's a mod note. This point was presented to my source as factual, like all the other parts of this post, but I believe it might be wise to take this one with a grain of salt until other sources can corroborate this particular bit of information. <laughs> I love that the mod is even like, mm, not so yeah, sure well, about this. <laughs> because previously people have said Naomi Aki is Lando's daughter, mm. so it's like, okay. Please don't make Finn a Calrissian. <laughs> I'll tell you the background to a lot of the stuff that's been brought up, like the stuff about Naomi Aki's character being Lando's daughter. That basically came from a Reddit user called Tamiri Blag. <laughs> um, and they started out with a post that had some credibility to it. And we discussed it on the show. And it had credibility because they described some sort of like prop monster that was then later described by making Star Wars who obviously have the track record for us to take them seriously. Um, But then this person, this Tamiri Blag character, he began to weave progressively more elaborate reports about the film, up to and including the point where he described this elaborate scene where Kerry Russell was screaming out for Luke in childbirth and that she and Luke were the parents of Rey. (laughs) And basically he got called out for his bullshit and had to admit he was making quite a lot of stuff up. So basically the possibility remains that user might have been saying some truthful stuff because of the things that line up with making Star Wars and other sources. But it's almost impossible at this point to distinguish between the bullshit that they posted (laughs) and the stuff that they said that's actually reliable and worth taking seriously. So for now, I'm just completely forgetting everything he said. 
and being like that's, yeah yeah that's a good shout yeah <laughs> so yeah like welcome to the inner workings of the star wars leaks subreddit Woo! yeah i don't quite understand why these people do the things they do but <laughs> yeah it's really annoying because you like get excited by a leaker and you're like oh my god this person seems legit they seem legit and then they come out of like kerry russell dies in childbirth it's like oh no you're going down a path i can't follow yeah basically yeah and luckily then when stuff comes out about kerry russell being a bounty hunter it's kind of like well i really doubt that she's going to be a bounty hunter and die in childbirth <laughs> it'd be quite an interesting combination of but equally, both could be untrue. So. Yeah, equally, both could be untrue. But at the moment, I'm more predisposed to pay attention to the bounty hunter rumour. But we will see. Yeah, but dying in childbirth is so Star Wars. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes, it's true. I really don't want it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's pretty much what it comes down to when you read Elite. You're like, mm, this kind of sounds like what I would want to be true. So I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, that is basically it. And like, I admit that to myself a lot. We're all subject to bias in this game, basically. Um, right. And then the final one is... Very exciting. <laughs> My fave. C-3PO has a scene where he holds military gear. <gasps> it is unclear whether he actually fires any weapons. Um, so my source doesn't recall exact details, but 3PO appeared to have a bag or net, not unlike the Ewok trap net, and what he or she believes to be Chewie's bowcaster. <laughs> That's gonna stop the presses. That's gonna be a shit show. <laughs> Can you imagine C3PO trying to find the bowcaster? Oh gosh. <laughs> oh dearie me. Oh, I say, I didn't expect that to be quite so effective. Oh. Yeah, it's like, please spare us. No. Yeah, is it going to be like an Attack of the Clones sequence? Yeah, it's giving me those vibes <laughs> and I don't like it. And like, Anthony Daniels is also in my bad books right now because of all the bullshit he pulled. <laughs> did you see his latest tweet today? Uh, no. What did he say? He's like, some people seem to believe I was talking about episode nine. <laughs> really? That's JJ's prerogative. It's like, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> You know what you did. <laughs> I hate it when people act like so faux innocent. What? You thought I was talking about episode nine? It's like, yeah, of course people did. Do you mean that thing that everyone basically cares about to the exclusion of everything else Star Wars right now? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, God. Yes, wasn't like all his like cryptic tweeting ultimately about like a book he has coming out or something? Uh, I don't even know, because some of it kind of looked like it was about his birthday as well. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Anthony Daniels is just... I, 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 can't, I can't. Yeah, I don't follow him, but somehow I see all of it, because it whips people up into an excitement. And I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah, it's like, please just stop. Right. And then the next leak, which is separate, and we're moving on from the Jedi Paxis thing now. This next leak is basically a summary of what was said in the Now This Is Podcasting podcast, episode 262. This podcast is put out by Jason from Making Star Wars. Um, yeah, Making Star Wars, they have sources, so there's reason to listen to what they say. I won't read out everything that was summarized from this podcast, because some of it has already been debunked. Um, by Ryan Johnson, among others, and I don't want to waste anyone's time with it. 
So, but it's good to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. Because if some of it has been debunked, it's very possible that the rest of it might not be true either. Yeah, no, exactly. And to be fair to Jason, I think the reason why this isn't used as the basis for a written report, but is instead discussed in the podcast, is typically because it's stuff he is less certain of. So he'll discuss it in a casual way, but he won't like commit it to a report report. Um, right. Okay. So, in the podcast, Jason talks about Ray's hair being similar to The Force Awakens due to scenes with Leia. He thinks there was a scene cut from The Force Awakens that had Ray and Leia having a conversation. He says it's before she goes off with Han Solo, but I'm assuming he means she goes off to Luke, because obviously by the time Leia is reintroduced in The Force Awakens, Ray has been captured. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... We know that there is a deleted conversation between Ray and Leia just before she flies off. And it's something to the effect of, oh, you won't become like my son <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, with Leia basically warning Ray against becoming like Ben and following that path. And yeah, I, there's potential to reuse that. But Again, I think there would have to be some clever editing and perhaps some new dialogue recorded for both parties. Like perhaps using a sound alike for Leia or something to make it convincing and make it a fit for the new movie. Yeah, which is very possible. I think we talked about this last week, right? Yeah, yeah, I've got a minor sense of deja vu, but yeah. Yeah. Um, right, then the next point is that Adam Driver was definitely in Jordan to take pictures for a certain magazine that covers Star Wars films. So, and they're assuming Entertainment Weekly, Empire, or Vanity Fair. I'd bet on Vanity Fair for something like that. Probably. Yeah. The Entertainment Weekly, they tend to use either things that are edited over a background or actual stills from the movie because they come out later, right? Yeah, and Empire do the same. They don't take their own exclusive photos. Vanity Fair is the mm. only one that does like photo shoots as such. So, right. yeah, I could see them deploying old Annie to go out and take some snaps. Um, so, yeah, there's the potential to be quite spectacular looking with these actors framed against the desert. So, yeah, I'm very intrigued. And then one of the more interesting things that was said in this podcast is Jason thinks that Ray figures out the MacGuffin than everybody else does. And they all end up in Jordan. Good guys and bad guys. Jason is unsure of Atlando was part of the sequence. And yeah, what do you think about this, Kirsty? I do love the idea of Ray travelling back to Jakku by herself before anyone else gets there. Yes. That and just having like a little moment of reflection and kind of emphasizing how far she's come. Yeah, I would really love that. I'd like to see her go back to her little home if she can find it. Yeah. And maybe it's all like buried in sand or something. Yeah, that would be really great. I mean, at the moment, we have no sense of what the MacGuffin is. But it makes sense that if it's on Jakku, Ray would have extra information that other people wouldn't be privy to. So Yeah, exactly. And, like, I know for a fact that J.J. Abrams would not be aware of, like, Ray's survival guide, for example. But if they did do a thing where, like, Ray knows the planet and the environment so well that when she gets wind of the MacGuffin... And then she connects it to something on Jakku. That would make a lot of sense. Because that Ray's survival guide that conveys this really like intense familiarity with that landscape and that planet. And so yeah. if there was something buried on Jakku, that, then I think Ray would absolutely have an inkling of that. And she'd recognise it when she heard it being referred to. 
Yeah. Of course, this is us assuming that Jordan is Jakku, probably because we want it to be. Yes. Um, that isn't confirmed at this point, but that's just kind of what we're working with. So. Yeah. And several sources are also saying that Jordan was used to represent at least two different planets. So mm. that opens up the possibilities somewhat. And then the final thing to discuss from episode 262 of Now This Is Podcasting is Jason has heard that Rose is very high up in the resistance, but he hasn't heard anything about her. Doesn't know how big of a part she has. I was so relieved to at least see something about Rose. <laughs> like, because besides this, is literally been dead. So I'm glad it at least sounds like she's been promoted. Well... <laughs> There's no one left in the resistance. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, like if there was like a janitor in the resistance, there'd probably be like a captain at this point. Um, yeah, I do like the idea of her and Cador kind of running things between them. Yeah. If everyone else is kind of out in the field, but I at least hope she has something exciting to do and some development. Yeah. No, like I don't want her to just be completely static in the movie or just like stuck on the base. It'd be nice to see her have a little bit more of an active role to play. But yeah, we'll have to see because we know absolutely nothing about her in this movie. Okay, right. And then we move on to Now This Is Podcasting episode 263. And the information from this episode of the podcast has been summarized by Godson. <laughs> People on Reddit have weird usernames, okay. And yeah, so there's quite a few things noted here. I'll read them out in little chunks, but not quite bullet point by bullet point, because if I did that, we'd be here for ages. Um, right. Jason heard again that Jordan was used as a filming location for two planets. Ah, snap. One of them looks like Tatooine. The Lars homestead was reportedly built in Pinewood, and Tatooine is reportedly at the end of the movie. So, hmm. Hmm. How would they know that it's at the end of the movie? <laughs> it's so random, the stuff that gets out. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That would have been something they'd probably have had to have heard quite recently. Yeah. I do find it an interesting idea. A part of me would like the poetry. <laughs> and I know that sounds like I'm taking the piss when I say that. But a part of me would like the poetry of ending at the Lars homestead. Because yeah. that's where the... um it's definitely where revenge of the sith ended it's obviously it's not where return of the jedi ended but it would tie back to the prequels quite nicely mm -hmm. yeah it links the trilogies together um i guess the other thing to keep in mind is that it's possible that this stuff is actually for the obi-wan series yeah although i don't know how if that could be premature to have built a set for that already yeah that was in the back of my mind or it might be the case that if they did build this Tatooine stuff for episode 9, then they plan to leave it up for the Obi-Wan series. Yeah. I do like the idea of seeing Tatooine again. Yeah. I definitely think it has a place. And it could feel quite natural and earned. So yeah, it'd be nice. And yeah, they do have to do something to make it all feel cohesive. Um, right. And then two more small bits. It looks like a small Act 2 set was built in Pinewood 2. And the second Jordan planet could be named Pazima or something like that. Jason doesn't know the exact spelling and Pazima is just my transcription. Okay. Wait, so is he saying that it's not Jakku and it could be Tatooine or Pazima instead? 
Or is he saying that Jordan is Pazima and Jakku and Tatooine is something separate? That's a good question. It looks like he's saying, according to this, that Jordan was used for Tatooine and Pazima. So he's not mentioning Jakku. But then we do have other leaks that are mentioned in Jakku. So really, God knows. It's a lot point. of desert. Yeah, it is a hell of a lot of desert. So I want to mix things up a little. Yeah, so I'm being a little bit skeptical about this idea of the second planet being Pazima. Because I wonder if perhaps there might be some confusion and there is a planet called Pazima, but it's not a desert planet. And maybe it's the name of a completely different planet of a different biome. Mm. But yeah, again, it's also like fluffy. And or abstract. it's not a planet name. It's like a city name. Yes. Because I think there was possible. some confusion about Kanto by at the beginning as well. Yeah. So I think that even if we do go back to Jakku, there's a high possibility of going to a completely different part of Jakku from what we've seen yeah. before. So I don't think we'd see Nima outpost again. So I think it's possible that we see a settlement on Jakku that's called Pazama. Mm-hmm. that could work out um yeah and it's intriguing to me that they'd build an act two set as well so that makes me wonder then okay does someone go back to act two to pick up luke's stuff or is there perhaps some sort of flashback scene it's quite a few possibilities yeah i don't know what to make of that right now mm. like whether that would be luke involved or ray there's nothing else to really go on is there yeah exactly Right, and then there's a miners' fish market looking town. The whole town was built in pine wood, so maybe it's the biggest set we heard about. Snow troopers were there, and snow special effects were used there. Also, there is a droid factory on the miners' fish market set. It's an Easter egg heaven. Robot from Bad Robot logo is hidden there. John Williams' scores are somehow hidden there. I, I do not understand that. And a few battle droids from the Phantom Menace are there um like, do they mean that like literal like printed scores by john williams are there that's so random i guess or like etched into the decor somehow yeah it sounds very goofy but i kind of like it mm. um and i do like the sound of this actually so we've known for a while that there was going to be some sort of snow involved but i like that it sounds like it's actually going to be a civilized planet that is not just like it's a planet covered in snow that there's actually going to be like a town and people doing their business and stuff there because yeah some world building yeah please yeah <laughs> so that sounds quite promising to me what about this next part <laughs> your favorite <laughs> this sounds so weird yeah <laughs> right then the next two points are about kylo kylo supposedly goes to a dark looking castle to get his helmet fixed in the movie <laughs> but this could be bullshit because he also heard earlier that the knights of ren fixed his helmet there's some monkey looking creature on this set kylo is part of the swamp planet black park stuff kylo's pulling and throwing some resistance soldiers but he's probably separated from the main battle on that planet okay so first things first i really don't see them actually showing the bloody helmet being like fixed by someone i just like come on do they really have time for that <laughs> you know it's like they didn't show someone well, like that up. And... If there is to be a time jump, it would be a bit odd to even bother showing that, wouldn't it, really? Because it's like he waited a year to get it fixed. Yeah, it'd feel very redundant. It's the kind of thing that it almost makes me wonder, is this something that's included in a book or a comic or something like that? And then, okay, it's part of the story, but it's not part of the film. And then the boundaries between the two got confused. 
Mm. So I think that's a possible reading. Um, but yeah, again, need to wait and see. And yeah, talk about your feelings about Kylo pulling and throwing resistant soldiers, Kirsty. So I know that's your favourite part. Well, it's a bit confusing because it says that he's probably away from the main battle as well. So what is going on there? That made me think that maybe it's a bit like what happened on Takadana, that there's like a main military conflict with like troopers and resistance soldiers. But then Kylo has his own mission, like perhaps to find Rey, perhaps to look for whatever the hell this MacGuffin is, something like that. Mm. And he's off doing his own thing quite separate from everyone else. And then he has to like get past the people who are in his way. Like that's True. that was where my mind went. Yeah, I guess I just don't really want something that flies too close to the Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. Yeah, but it's very plausible that this could be described that way, but not actually happening that way. Yeah, no, exactly. It's all about how these things are described, and the way things are described in leaks like this is usually so vastly different from how they're executed on film that you can only take like the bare facts away so like here it's like kylo is off on his own mission separate from everyone else he encounters some resistance soldiers and he has to like deal with them Mm. like that's basically he's involved to some extent in the black park portion of the filming yeah which sounds like maybe it's tied into this like miners fish market town business. Because is that where they had the snow on the ground? Yeah, they had the snow on the ground okay. in Black Park. Although again, it seems yeah. like they might have used Black Park for several different locations. Because I don't think there was always snow in Black Park. I think the snow came later in the shoot. Okay, so the swamp's separate. Yes, possibly. <laughs> it's so complicated. And this is why I made it the is. tracker. So. It's a kind of, yeah... <laughs> It's the kind of thing that like things will make sense once if they are confirmed and we see them we're like oh that's what that part was referring to but right now yeah <laughs> like so, so i think if you try to like itemize like little scraps of information from the last jedi in a in this sort of way it would sound completely bizarre and incoherent it's just because we don't have like the greater thread of the story to like contextualize any of this yeah i think after that first teaser everything will start to make more sense exactly then two new points Kylo supposedly has a new ship. It's white with red and black details. It has some cool gadgets. Supposedly Vader's helmet is on that ship. Okay, that's interesting. Like, I've got lots of questions. Like, a white ship doesn't seem very on brand with the First Order. (laughs) It would stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, true. Yeah, so interesting. Sounds more resistancy. Yeah, so what are you doing, Kylo? And yeah, and it's like if he has his helmet like on the ship, is he like running away from home and he like had to take Granddad's helmet with him? It's like a security blanket. <laughs> That's my yeah. I mean, I guess if it was on the finalizer, yeah, he's not gonna just leave it there, is he? If he can help it, <laughs> he's gonna like smuggle it into his backpack. It's like, right, I'm going to take sandwiches and a bucket and a handkerchief and Granddad's burnt helmet, and then I'm all ready. Yeah, I hope this is true because then it brings that back full circle from Force Awakens. Because mm. I know that Vader is mentioned very briefly in the Last Jedi. Yes, but both by Snow and Luke, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. I think it would be good to have that come back around again for Kylo. Yeah, definitely. I think it makes a lot of Especially sense. Especially if we get Force Ghost Anakin. Yeah, woo! 
Hopefully he'll Which tell him to like just lose doing. interest in, in like all the morbid shit and go out and like talk to girls and stuff. Specifically <laughs> one girl. <laughs> yes. Like, oh. Um okay, and then there's lots of other random stuff about ships that's just like too random and abstract to really make anything of. Um but one interesting part is there was supposedly a massive ship on the Cardington set. The final battle with zero gravity was probably filmed there. And I find this so intensely frustrating. So it's like, okay, you're telling me there's a final battle in zero G and you're just like casually mentioning this. And it's like, come on. <laughs> it's like, I need more than that. So yeah, but I guess I'm just greedy. Yeah, maybe there's just not much more solid stuff to share right now, but it could come. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I'm trying to think about how you could do a, a zero G fight and make it not look goofy. <laughs> it's like wee bash bash <laughs> no I, I agree yeah so yeah. that would be very Who interesting like, I'd love it if they did actually find a way to create a zero G like environment for the actors though that would be awesome <laughs> like they took them to NASA <laughs> it's like wee that would be fun that would be so much fun I'd like to see the behind the scenes footage of that like preferably with Adam Driver looking so like I don't want to be here. It'd be hard to look menacing in Zero G. Yeah, exactly, so. especially with that hair. <laughs> oh my god. Um, right, and then in staggering news, the final note is that Jason's got an info to suggest that the MacGuffin changes, going from one thing which leads to something else, and that it ends up revealing the big secret of the movie. So, yep, that sure sounds like a typical movie MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, that's just describing a MacGuffin. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's not much to say, really. I, I'm very curious about what the hell this MacGuffin is. So, although I guess it's always going to be the sort of thing where it's open to debate. So, it's like, what's the MacGuffin of The Force Awakens? Oh, well, that's the thing. It, the whole point of a MacGuffin is that it doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah. It's, it's you know, just a device to get the, the ball rolling and the characters developing. Yeah. <laughs> that made me think that the MacGuffin in The Force Awakens is literally a rolling ball. Because it's BB-8. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, my God. I want that droid. <laughs> Find that droid. <laughs> catch that Catch the pigeon. Catch the pigeon. Catch the pigeon. No. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. The girl is all we need. Yeah, so you see the MacGuffin changes. The MacGuffin starts out as BB-8, and then Ray becomes the MacGuffin. That's actually true, though, because... Well, Luke Skywalker is the real MacGuffin. Yeah, Luke Skywalker's the real one, but they're sort of like interim MacGuffins as well, because Ray being kidnapped is what leads Finn and Han to go off to Stockler Base to find her. Mm Mm-hmm. MacGuffin is yep. such a meaningless term in so many ways. Yes, this is... Again, this is how MacGuffins work. <laughs> so we'll wait to see if Jason actually does hear anything about what the MacGuffin is at any point. Yes. Before it changes into something else. Exactly. And then the magic can truly happen and we find, discover stuff. Okay. Cool. Well, I think that brings us to the natural end of our episode. Not sure what people take away from that. <laughs> I've heard that people enjoy the spoiler discussions. So I know, but I think some of the time it's like more tangible, like 
okay, we've got a story going here, whereas this is just all over the place. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different things. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it really, really is. It's like throwing darts at the wall, basically. A s- smorgasbord of spoilers. Yeah, exactly. I looked at what we had, basically, with complete dismay. So it's like, how do we even begin to make this coherent? And, and I think <laughs> we made it as coherent as we possibly could. And we were selective in what we talked about. But dear God, it's just, yeah, it's a mess. Okay, cool. So I'm Rachel. You can find me at Styles Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye. Bye.